Welcome to Research Recap, our research podcast on Making Sense, the hub for J.P. Morgan Corporate and Investment Bank podcasts. In each episode of Research Recap, we'll bring you the latest industry analysis and research insights from our team of award-winning experts. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Research Recap, the newest series on J.P. Morgan's Making Sense podcast channel. I'm Hebing Zhu, Chief China Economist and Head of Great China Economic Research at J.P. Morgan. Today, I'm joined by my colleague, Grace Ng, Senior Economist for Great China at J.P. Morgan. And we're here to discuss a number of important questions on China's latest economic developments. Grace, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Haibin. So Grace, reopening has been the biggest catalyst for China's economy for this year. And we have seen China actually returning to normal after the Lunar New Year. How has the reopening played out and will the economy continue to rebound? Thank you, Haibin. Indeed, reopening is the biggest catalyst for China's growth recovery this year after the drag from the various COVID restrictions that we saw back in 2020. Having said that, policy adjustment is also important. If we look back since November last year, we have seen some pretty pragmatic shifts in policy, including those for housing sector, for the internet sector. On the traditional macro policy front, we have also seen fiscal policy and credit policy being front-loaded in the first quarter of this year as policymakers try to kickstart the recovery. We have seen significant recovery across the board in the first quarter, including some sharp rebound in travel-related consumption and service activity. We also had stronger-than-expected export sector performance on the back of a supply-side recovery. Even the housing sector, which had been very weak last year, so that was the first quarter, strong post-COVID rebound in activity. However, going into the second quarter, we have seen economic momentum slowing down quite notably. Perhaps what is also worth noting is that we are beginning to see some diverging behavior across economic sectors. Service sector activity has been showing ongoing solid recovery, but the manufacturing sector has been somewhat underperforming. We saw some pretty notable lingering weakness in private sector investment, whereas public sector investment has been holding well. For the year as a whole, we are looking for a full-year GDP growth at 5.9%, which is pretty constructive, especially considering that the government's growth target for the year is 5%. Hi, Bin, turning to you. We recently saw spending increasing during the golden week. What's next for consumer behavior and how will that affect markets more broadly? Yeah, you mentioned that we spent 5.9% growth for this year. And consumption services recovery will be the major theme behind this current story. In the pre-pandemic years, consumption typically contributes about two-thirds. But if you look at last year, out of three percentage point GDP growth, only one percentage point coming from consumption. So and we expect after reopening that consumption and services recovery normalization will be a most important contributor. In the first quarter, actually, the consumption has already recovered to contribute two-thirds of economic growth, pretty much in line with our four-year storyline. 
I'd like to also talk about our storyline for consumption for the full year. I think the two key words we're using here, one is that it's a year of consumption normalization. We're not expecting super V-shaped recovery as we saw in uh, US or other countries. And second is that we believe the consumption recovery tend to be divergent or what we call the K-shaped recovery. And let me explain why. So first, why only normalization, not a rebound in consumption? I think if we compare China versus other countries, the difference is that we do not expect a meaningful fiscal support for consumption, particularly unlike U.S. or other countries, we do not expect the Chinese government to roll out a major consumption stimulus in the form of the fiscal transfer, say, such as consumption coupon, cash payment, or the improving the social safety network to support households. This is not in our baseline assumption. The recovery will only come from either income growth or adjustment in the saving rate. We know saving rate actually in the last three years has been higher than the pre-pandemic years. So the excess saving accumulated in the last three years can be used to support consumption recovery. And exactly how much excess saving based on our calculation over the last three years, the cumulative excess saving for Chinese households is 600 billion US dollar, but compared to the US, it's still a much smaller size of excess saving. Also, we noticed that the excess saving is highly concentrated in the high-income families. But for low- and middle-income families, particularly for rural area families, their excess saving is much smaller. So that is actually uh, related to our second judgment, that K-shaped recovery for consumption. And that's exactly actually what we saw in recent months, particularly if you look at the retail sale breakdown. Jewelry sales and the catering service, actually luxury goods, that typically this is associated with the high-income family, actually their consumption. Now, Grace, I want to move to the next question. We know last year, actually, housing market has been the biggest drag for the economic growth. How exactly the housing market will evolve for this year is very important. Is the rebound on the cars for 2023? If we look at the major sectors of the economy, housing was indeed the most significant drag. We had a real estate investment contracting significantly by about 10% last year. New homes sold was down almost 30%. New housing started was down almost 40%. But we did see the most significant pivot on the housing sector taking place in November, including the 16 measures which cover broadly across the demand side as well as the supply side by aiming to ease the funding stress for the developers. Following that, and with the reopening of the real economy, we have seen signs of bottoming out in the housing market activity since February this year in the form of stabilization and modest pickup in home prices, modest improvement in new home sales, and so on. Having said that, we are not assuming a significant rebound in housing sector activity as we typically saw in the past cycles of a reversal in housing policy. Instead, our baseline is looking for a a somewhat weak form of a stabilization. What that means is that we are assuming home sales to show modest decline for the year, close to 3%. So going into the next topic, Haibin, uh, there has been a lot of attention on China's labor market conditions with the reopening. How is China's uh, record high young unemployment uh, problem affecting the economy? 
in my view, it's more a structural problem rather than an aggregate problem. So if you look at the aggregate level, the survey based on employment rates actually came down in recent months, registered at 5.2% in April. But youth unemployment rate hit new record high at 20.4% in April. And they may continue to increase in the next few months, given uh, typically July is a seasonal high every year. Now, the structural imbalance in the labor market, in my view, is a mirror image of the uneven recovery in the economy. If you look at where the new job creation is coming from, very recently, we're talking about low-end services, which is uh, associated with the infrastructure construction, manufacturing, new energy, new energy car. So these are the new sector actually creating new jobs. But young workers are dominated by the college graduates, and they do not actually prefer to work in this area. The preferred hiring sector for college graduates, actually, they are mostly high or middle-end services industry, for example, internet, financial services, education, real estate services. Most of these sectors, they have not recovered yet. So in order to solve this problem, the key is to revive the confidence of the private entrepreneurs. Now, moving to the next topic, also raised a lot of concern among investors recently, which is very low inflation. We know that April inflation came down to 0.1% year over year. Inflation dynamics has been behaving very different from most other DM countries. But in the current situation, some investors worry about the risk of the deflation risk in China. So Grace, what's the forecast for inflation in China for the rest of the year? Is monetary policy easing on the horizon? Looking back, we have been of the view that China's inflation would actually stay low even after the reopening. So that is quite different from what the rest of the world has gone through uh, during their own reopening phase. A couple of factors that is quite special for China. If you look at the supply chain dynamics, the DM world actually, soon after they reopened, faced significant bottleneck problem in the supply chain. However, if we look at China, China's supply chain has always been working largely in a normal situation. And if anything, with the recovery, the supply side recovered even ahead of the demand side, therefore suggesting that there is limited pricing power on the consumer goods front. With regard to services price, we have seen significant recovery in activity, travel, transportation, restaurant spending, and so on. On the other hand, if we look at some other service areas, for instance, rental prices have actually been pretty suppressed because of the ongoing weakness in the housing market. In addition, Haibin, as you discussed earlier, labor market conditions have yet to pick up momentum significantly, especially with regard to the young unemployed problem. So inflation at this moment in time is really not an issue for China. Indeed, in the next two, three months, it is possible that we might actually see a slightly negative year-on-year inflation rate in China. Having said that, with the ongoing recovery in the economy, we do expect CPI inflation to come back up a little bit Going into fourth quarter, we do think CPI inflation will come back to slightly above 1%. So for the year as a whole, 0.6% average CPI inflation, that is our baseline forecast. And what does that mean for monetary policy? We do expect the PBOC to keep policy rates unchanged 
through the rest of the year. The bar for policy rate adjustment is pretty high, and they intend to keep a policy rate change to be in a small step style, relatively modest. So that's how we see the monetary policy going ahead. Finally, Hai Bin, what are some of the key indicators to watch for the coming months with regard to China's growth outlook? Let me first take the opportunity to summarize uh, what they have discussed. So, of course, that we are constructive on China's growth for this year, but recovery story this time is quite different compared to the previous cycles. I think from the high level. This time is a consumption-led recovery, which is uh, not the, uh, the the investment-driven recovery story I saw in early years. So, if we put China in a global perspective, I think the the spillover channel is quite different. The、uh, conventional channel, say China's recovery, driving up commodity demand, I think is another、uh, main channel in our mind for this year. It's more about say China's consumption. And Chinese tourists going back to the rest of the world, and China's current surplus will become smaller, particularly because of the service trade widening again. So that's probably more important channel for other countries. Now on the domestic front, the pace of recovery has been quite uneven. So we talk about the key beneficiary related to reopening and the major policy beneficiary sector actually has been performing better. However, there are many other sectors still very mixed behavior. Going forward, we need to pay attention to the involvement of key macro indicators、uh, such as consumption and investment, but also we need to watch out on the. Global economic outlook, particularly U.S. Euro area, Japan, the G3 performance that matters for China's export performance. If I need to single out one indicator, private investment is probably a key indicator we should pay attention in the next few months. And typically, from the improvement in public investment to the improvement in private investment, it may take one to three quarters in China's turning around period. So far, the private investment is still very weak, and it is important to see whether in the next several months whether private investment will show signs of the picking up. That will matter not only for our second half but also for 2024 growth forecast. So I'll stop here, and again, thanks, Grace, for joining me to discuss our view on China economic outlook. And I also like to thank our audience to、uh, listening to the、uh, podcast channel. If you have any feedback or any follow-up questions, please feel free to direct contact us, or you can find more detailed research at JP Morgan Market. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Research Recap. If you've enjoyed this conversation, we hope you'll review, rate, and subscribe to J.P. Morgan's Making Sense to stay on top of the latest industry news and trends. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please read J.P. Morgan Research reports related to its contents for more information, including important disclosures. Copyright 2023, J.P. Morgan Chase and Co. All rights reserved.